When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Purple Podcast post-Super Bowl edition. Matthew Collar with you from the studio and Judd Zolgad still there at U.S. Bank Stadium. And uh, Judd, tell me about the party. Oh man, Elton John is playing right now. Eagles fans are outside in downtown, so I fear for our city, of course, Matthew. I fear that it is uh, people are climbing up poles that we didn't put Crisco on poles or hydraulic <laughs> fluid. I fear that buildings uh, buildings are burning. Uh, but um, yeah, there was. Uh, I was wrong about one thing. I, I believe I said about three weeks or a month ago. I said if the Vikings are in this game, I don't think you're going to have that. You'll have some Vikings fans get tickets for sure. But I said I don't think they could take over the stadium because the tickets are so expensive. I was 100 percent wrong. Eagles fans took over this place. If the Vikings had been in this game. It would have been akin to a home game because this sounded like an Eagles home game. It was an incredible atmosphere. And I will say this, of all the professional sporting events I have covered in my life, this is top five as far as bizarre goes. This was, if you didn't care who won, and assuming that if you're not a huge fan of defense, this game was a lot of fun to watch. It was an incredible game that I, I think you immediately have to put within the greatest Super Bowls of all time, don't you, Judd, for the way that they went back and forth and back and forth. I, I was looking at just the play-by-play and how many times Tom Brady answered when the Philadelphia Eagles scored. I mean, they, they shanked a field goal, and every other time the the Patriots, they, they were able to come back and score again, and this thing was the most back and forth. It's, it's almost exactly how you would have drawn up a dream Super Bowl. We had uh, in in the first half, I believe the average uh, the average yards per play. I want to say New England was something at like nine point three, and Philadelphia was at nine point zero even. Okay, I believe by early in the third quarter, we had broken the record for most combined yards in a Super Bowl. Early in the third quarter, this combined yards this was the most in an NFL postseason game ever. As I said, if you love defense. I advise you to have – I hope that you turn this thing off in the second quarter. But if you just were in for a fun time and sort of this weird arena league-like football game – I mean, Michael Holmgren on the radio broadcast 
said this in the, I believe, early in the second half. He said the tackling in this game is like the Pro Bowl. But put all of that aside for one second, because of the dramatics of, of the, these teams going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, entertainment, but value-wise, if I'm the National Football League, I'm thrilled about this game. It was great fun to watch. So, Judd, why, in your opinion, couldn't anyone play any defense? This was the fourth and fifth-ranked defenses in points against during the regular season, and we saw in the NFC Championship game just how good the Eagles' defensive line is, and they came through at the end by sacking Brady, strip-sacking him, but for most of that game, neither team could get any pressure on the quarterback. Uh, on on Philadelphia's part, I think it's partially Brady, uh, and the breakdowns surprised me. But I can flat out, Matthew, tell you this. New England couldn't tackle to save its life. I mean, the Patriots were awful. The Patriots, Malcolm Butler, I believe, played on special teams only. Belichick w- wouldn't play him. And post game, he said something along the lines of, they gave up on me, which is not a good thing if you're a professional football player. Um, but the Patriots looked inept. I mean, their tackling was awful. Their defense was terrible. I have no clue what happened there and and how they got to a point where they looked that bad. I do know this, though. For all that we talked about, Keenum, and he was, Case was a great story, right? Case Keenum was the feel-good story of backup quarterbacks for much of the 2017 season. There's no doubt about it. I do know now, though, that the greatest backup quarterback story uh, of this year and probably one of the best of all time has to be Nick Foles. Do you remember a month ago when we were all like, oh, Nick Foles is pretty good, but, I mean, come on, they're not going to go far. And all of us who said, if you could do one thing, you know what, play Philadelphia. Um, Nick Foles, man, MVP of this game, and certainly uh, played three great uh, playoff games, was outstanding against the Vikings, and then outstanding again tonight. What, three uh, touchdown passes, and, and he caught a damn touchdown, too. Uh, Nick Foles is a fantastic story and once again proves that if you have a competent backup quarterback, you can still go a long way. Well, he was so much more than competent in these playoffs, too. That yeah, that's true. It, He's great. And, and as, as much as I agree that the Patriots didn't play great defense, Foles also dropped dimes, Judd. I mean, we, I, we, I feel like we spend all this time talking about tight window throws and tough plays down the field. I mean, the 22-yard touchdown pass to Corey Clement was an incredible throw, and that was hardly the only great one that he made to tonight and he did it against the vikings too where he made legitimately great plays there was one against the vikings where he started to throw and then pulled the ball down and then off balance he showed pocket presence tonight he showed the ability to throw on the run every once in a while to shuffle around and, and find throwing lanes it's like this guy just got in a time machine and went back to 2013 and mm-hmm. found his old self that threw 27 touchdowns and two picks a few years ago under chip kelly it was incredible that he was great and uh that team man i mean they the incredible thing now is when, when we, we look back on their run uh, to the super bowl title a few years from now we are going to look back and realize that they weren't favored in one game i mean they were favored uh, as the top seed they were favored to lose at home to the falcons or not or that they were underdogs i should say to lose to the falcons at home they were underdogs again to lose to the vikings at home and then they came here and were dogs again so um congratulations to them it's a fantastic story but yeah i i would say if there's one thing that really uh surprised me about this game it would be this the patriots defense never got it together the entire night 
I mean, you, you've got the long halftime for, you know, all the supposed adjustments and stuff. And, and up offensively, I will say this, the Patriots, uh, I believe Gronkowski had uh, one reception for like nine yards in the first half. And then he came out in the second half and caught a couple touchdown passes. And I believe on that uh, first touchdown drive that the Patriots had in the second half, if I'm not mistaken, he got something like four passes for 69 yards. Um, so they definitely got him involved again. They definitely did adjust some things, but their defense never, never got it going tonight. And as you just said, too, because you're right about this, credit to Nick Foles because Nick Foles was fantastic. And I have a new nominee for the greatest coach in the National Football League, and that's Doug Peterson. Not only did he beat Mike Zimmer and make Mike Zimmer look really bad in the NFC Championship game, which we do not see on a daily basis. I mean, usually when there are games, Mike Zimmer is either uh, going head-to-head with the opposing coach or he's got the advantage, and Peterson took him down. And now Peterson knocks the king right off the throne in Bill Belichick. He outcoached Bill Belichick in this game where he had the game plan to create open wide receivers, and most notably his game management was fantastic going for fourth down on the two key plays the one that ends up as a touchdown the other one late in the game uh, to keep the ball and drive down there and, and get a touchdown to go ahead late I mean just an incredible run for Doug Peterson and the uh, one yard touchdown pass to Foles was brilliant right because I mean you saw that play and you thought, thought to yourself okay this decision I think I, I agree with but what play are they going to run and instead of going with the standard you know let's try and run the ball or let's try and do something cute with a pass you basically pull out a, from, from the playbook a pass to Nick Foles. And and you tell me this, Collar, when is the next time that we are going to see a Super Bowl in which both starting quarterbacks are the intended receiver on one pass apiece? <laughs> Tom Brady, I was I about lost it when, when they attempted the pass, which actually should have been caught. It was, it was not a great pass, but it was a catchable pass to Brady. But it, it's incredible. When you look at when you look at the amount of like just weird plays tonight. And weird sequences. This was a really fun game, a really bizarre game. And it, I wrote this. I said when when we saw the Keenum to Diggs 61-yard miracle touchdown, right? You said to yourself, okay, that's the oddest moment that you are going to see in U.S. Bank Stadium this season. This is this is it. This is a really weird play, and it's this it's this cool moment. But you're not going to see something like this again. To me, it was like we saw an entire game of like weirdness and fun and and there were just so many things that uh, that took place tonight it's going to take me like a week to digest them but this was just a really really odd game and i say that in a good way yeah everything down to the fact that the kickers struggled early in the game i don't think that any yeah. kickers have ever struggled in the state of minnesota have they uh, before in, um, in big games uh not that no. i can recall no. right now since i don't, don't want to so. pile on you know and the season's completely done now. I'm going to just say, no, I can't recall. I can't recall one. Uh, but, yeah, both what? We, we had uh, both kickers missed extra points, if I'm not mistaken. We, we had a bad snap that uh, Gutkowski had to stop his, his momentum going towards the ball, then got it going back, and then hit the left upright and barely missed. So, yeah, this was this was a game where there were about ten things that you can go back and say, that was really, really odd, including, as I said, two passes, a pass to each starting quarterback. So how do you think that the stadium and Minnesota handled this entire thing? I mean, not just from the week in the buildup, but today it was really darn cold outside, but it seems like everybody got in and it went off without a hitch. I thought it did great. And, and 
the thing about it is this town, as far as I'm concerned, I can't recall in, in my time covering sports here, I can't recall an, a big event that they have not done great with. And I thought they did fantastic. And it was cold today, and we had to be outside for a, a while. But guess what? It's Minnesota in February. It's going to, to, uh, to be cold. But for the most part, I thought as far as the event went, it went off seamlessly. They did a great job. Do I think it's coming back? No, I don't. But that's because I think eventually this league is going to take this to a rotation of about four or five cities. Maybe in 30 years, if, if U.S. Bank Stadium becomes archaic and they decide to tear it down and build a new stadium, you'll get a Super Bowl at that point. Um, but that that is no indictment against the job that the volunteers and people here did. Because I thought uh, basically from start to finish with the stuff at the mall that, that we certainly saw quite a bit of, uh, to the game experience, to from what I heard about the parties, I think the the organizing committee did a fantastic job, and that continues, as I said, what I believe to be a trend of if this if this city gets an All Star game or a Super Bowl or a Final Four or a big event, they usually do an outstanding job. All right, so now the question is, what can we take away from the Philadelphia Eagles for the Minnesota Vikings? I wrote my five takeaways, but I, okay. will, I will start with this, Judd. Mine, okay. the biggest is, no matter how good you are on the defensive line, keep stacking the defensive line. And this offensive line, nice start for the Vikings, but we saw through this playoff run how incredible the Eagles' offensive line was, and what a major impact. They averaged 6.1 yards a carry, and they've crushed the the Vikings who couldn't get pressure on Nick Foles, and there wasn't much pressure. He didn't get sacked at all tonight in the Super Bowl, and I think yep. that really speaks to how great their offensive line was. Even when they lost Jason Peters, who's one of the all-time greatest players at his position, that they had depth there as well. So I think for the Vikings, draft offensive linemen, sign offensive linemen we talked about it last year hey why don't you add this guy or that guy in free agency who could still play and maybe be a backup and they didn't really do that and it might have bitten them in the end and i think the eagles show us that you can never have enough depth and you can never draft enough guys there because it's going to make a huge difference in the end that's my biggest takeaway up front right I, i mean that's the key that's your sole key is is how strong are you on both lines and then, probably just as importantly, do you have depth there? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The offensive line improvement uh, from 2016 to 17, Matthew, was certainly drastic. But if you look at, at the improvement and then you look at what the Philadelphia did and you say to yourself, okay, how do you get more, right? How, how do you get more of, of that? So I think you're exactly right. Um, and we also continue to see the fact that you can never take or you shouldn't take backup quarterback for granted you continue and the vikings did a very good job by going to get case but i mean this is now a team that has every quarterback except for slaughter on its roster is going to hit the market or they might and so the question becomes this what do you do and if you go get cousins guess what you still have to have a good backup so yeah i mean there's just and peterson's fantastic the other thing that i like about doug and i think the vikings that did this with uh, with Shermer, but it needs to continue is to be flexible offensively mm-hmm. to be to be smart off- offensively and to use and to be willing to use the your personnel to the best of their ability not what you think they should do i mean yes. i really i really think the success in this league that you're seeing from teams is instead of of these coaches who have preconceived 
notions and ideas of, of what their personnel should do because, damn it, I run my system this way. I think what we're really starting to, uh, to see more and more from successful teams is you look at your personnel and you say, okay, I've got a system, but how can I morph my system to suit them, not how can they adjust their play to suit what I like to do? I would also say, too, that you can never have enough tight ends and you can never have enough running backs who can catch the ball. Corey Clement with 100 yards receiving on yep. this evening to lead all Philadelphia receivers, and he's a running back behind Jay Ajayi and LeGarrette Blunt. So replacing that Jarek McKinnon spot, or maybe it influences the Vikings to try and get McKinnon to come back if he can't find another job, because even with Delvin Cook, uh, you can never have enough good running backs. So a lot to take away from this Eagles Super Bowl. Judd, this was the first Super Bowl you ever had a chance to cover in your career. How, yes. How, how do you assess that for yourself? Oh, delightful. It was so much fun. And, and I mean, this game was crazy. So it, it made it that, that much more fun. And it's also great because I could sit here and watch this game, and you literally don't care who wins, right? Right. So you're watching this game, and you're like, this is just fun. I mean, there were – was it a perfect game? Absolutely not. There were lots of mistakes made, and that's fine. But it was a fun game. And, I mean, we had I, – I still go back to my youth when there was a run of Super Bowls there that weren't good, right? You had, you know, the Broncos, I think, got crushed by the Niners in the late 80s, if I'm not mistaken. In 94, the Chargers got crushed by the Niners. So, I mean, there were there's certainly been some bad games. Uh, but these games now are fun, and this game t- tonight was fun. And, and if you are, I mean, think about this. I'll, I'll say it again. You had both quarterbacks have passes thrown to him. Tom Brady had a pass thrown to him. He could have been killed. He could have died, but it was great fun. So, no, this was a, uh, th- this was a great event to cover. It, it was lots of fun. And uh, I do believe that this town, once again, uh, both towns actually, did a fantastic job. A fun week uh, culminated with a game that, uh, in my wildest dreams, I would not have predicted there was as many, there would be as many weird things as we saw on uh, the U.S. Bank Stadium field. And hey, by by the way, to your point, uh, just to backtrack a little bit, Matthew, your tight end point is really interesting because I think Dalvin Cook coming back and assuming he stays healthy is going to be a huge benefit towards the Vikings offensively. And I think they're going to be. I think that's going to help quite a bit. And he could do a lot of things. He can block. He can catch. He he can run. Um, I'll say this though. When you see the really, really good teams, the great teams, and their tight ends, the Vikings don't have that right now. And and if I'm the Vikings and I'm saying to myself, how do we take this next step? That's one spot where I think you, I think you could say we're pretty good and we've got nice players. But if you look at at what we've seen in the playoffs from some of these successful teams, tight end wise, the Vikings aren't there. I mean, I don't even they might be close. I don't know if you would call them close. But they're not there. I think that Zach Ertz and Rob Gronkowski are different level players, that they are so difficult to cover. They are mismatch type guys. And there are a couple of really good tight ends on the free agent market if the Vikings decided to move on. I don't see them moving on from Kyle Rudolph, but they could, and it wouldn't cost them a whole lot of dead cap. There's uh, guys out there like Jimmy Graham, Tyler Eifert, that would make things pretty interesting for the Vikings offense. Yeah, not only do these teams have a tight end, a lot of them have multiple tight ends that can do yep. a lot of things. And I, I loved David Morgan's role, but he caught 10 passes. I mean, right, so exactly. you know, they, the Eagles, they have 
10 players who play a role in the passing game. It's really amazing the number of weapons that they have. Uh, so I think tight end is something that they need to address and not draft someone like Bucky Hodges or Michael Pruitt who just doesn't have a chance. I, I mean, right. you draft one of these guys. If if there's a guy who's six foot six and runs a four five, do you think that he's going to drop to the sixth round if he can play? Like, no, that's not going to happen. So it might even be something you look at in the earlier rounds or with uh, one of these top free agents. And that's definitely a takeaway. So uh, a wild game, Judd. I am very glad that you got to take it all in. Well, thank you very much. And that Super Bowl experience for you. And we have had a lot of fun leading up to it ourselves from Radio Row and all that. So we appreciate everyone who's helped us out there. And, of course, Judd, for the big game, our coverage was all powered by Sprint, which uh, we very much appreciate them as well. So that basically puts a wrap on the Super Bowl. I'm sure we'll still be talking about the Eagles and how they did it throughout the offseason. But just for our regular Purple Podcast listeners, we will be talking all things Vikings offseason from now until they kick off in September. So we appreciate you all listening and hope you continue to do so through the offseason. Thank you very much and good night, Judd. Thank you, Matthew. Mr. It was a very good time. Lots Mr. of fun. Mr. Zolgad from U.S. Bank Stadium, thanks all for listening to the Purple Podcast.